The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 110 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, we got P Nate and Vanilla Knox in the studio. Thanks, Erica. Thanks for that. Yeah, it's Much not going to die. Yeah. I li- in fact, it's going to increase. Yeah, there's no, there's no living with him now. I said this. <laughs> it's, I'm going to get it tattooed. It's going to be great. Great fun. How are you doing today, my friend? You know what? Better since you brought me this coffee. So thank you. We are in studio. And just to, just to give you insight into what a great friend Pootie is, I get here. And there's a coffee waiting in my normal recording seat. It's beautiful. Starbucks coffee, dark roast, black. It's it's great. Good friends. Good I, I, friends bring friends coffee. Yes, they do. <laughs> and agree. Len books. And so, Len books, you go. which I have a lot of yours. <laughs> and But you're forgiven because you brought me the, the coffee. Here's the thing is I know you've read the book already. So if I keep it for copious amounts of time, you, you're not anxious to read it again. All it means is that I'm preventing other people from reading it. <laughs> which, which is also a problem. <laughs> which is a problem. But I should probably at one point pay you for them. But that's the point. All right. Well, we are the Rebels. And uh, if you are just now getting to know us, we would encourage you to go over to rebelalliancemedia.com and you'll find out all that you need to know about the Rebels. Uh, Rebel Alliance Media is uh, is kind of an mini- online multimedia mini- ministry. Uh, we've partnered with Awakening Reformation Podcast. Uh, that's the Van Brimmers, who also do Fathers of the Faith uh, for Covenant kids podcast so that comes out on mondays awakening reformation podcast comes out on tuesdays and this is the rebel podcast when we come out on wednesdays and then we have blog posts that come at you thursday friday saturday we have some videos on engaging culture that drop on facebook on friday so uh rebel alliance is growing and we're so thankful for everybody who's along with the ride um both uh, andrew and ben dropped a great uh, blog post last week uh, so things are going well, and uh, thank you so much for your support. And if you're just getting to know us, we'd encourage you to go on there, uh, read some blog posts, check out our videos, share them. Uh, we exist to help you engage culture with biblical worldview. So our videos are meant to train you in that regard, but also used as opportunities for you to share it on your social media feed and get into conversations. Uh, so things are going well. Things are going well. The... The blogs are just have been just awesome. Yeah. They've been on fire. Yeah, yeah. So every even like I'm just reading that I'm just like I I can't believe we haven't been doing this the whole time. This has been seriously. so good. Yeah, seriously. Erica's one uh, last week in in particular uh, we shared it with uh, a few of the moms from our church and uh and hers was kind of about uh God's God's uh design for womanhood and femininity and it was awesome uh so anyway thanks so much for everybody who's doing that and thanks for all of you who are sharing the content uh today we kind of get to 
So here's the thing. Chris and I come and we're always digging for Rebel News and, and Dave, uh, our, our faithful behind-the-scenes warrior, sound wizard, uh, he often comes up with Rebel News items for us as well or people message message them to us or send us links and all that kind of stuff. We appreciate all that stuff. But we just got here today and we realized there's, there's a ton. There's a ton of stuff. So we're actually going to push back some of the plans that we had for today and we're just going to deal with a bunch of these news items because I think we can talk about them, we can laugh at some of them, we can riff off some of them. Some of them are pretty heavy, so we're actually going to take a, uh, an episode. Uh, I'm just calling. I'm just calling it out here, Chris. We're going to call this one "What's Going On in the World Today." Okay. okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I, about to rap that, that but then exactly, I realized that's, that's not a good. That's not a good song, so I won't. The actually very rap next it. line, I couldn't <laughs> say, so I was like, I was kind of stuck. So, uh, so we're going to talk about uh, some of these news items. So it's going to be an entire episode of Rebel News. I know some of you will be really excited for that. Some of you might not be super excited for it, but we're we're pumped. We're, I, I feel pretty good about it. I like when we do like kind of Q and A these types of these types of episodes in between kind of more of our meaty subjects. Yep. Um, <laughs> we, I do want to point out that we, we are doing rebel news where we generally don't share the rebel news with news with each other so that we can kind of get like live reactions. Yep. So this episode could be a disaster. It could be <laughs> could great be, fun. Could be. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> we'll see if this ever actually sees the light of day. <laughs> well, we're putting it out regardless. <laughs> Yeah, this is our only option for next Wednesday. So here we go. Um, okay, the first thing I, I kind of wanted to talk about um, was uh, friends of our show, uh, Cross Politic. We've done a crossover episode with them. We've had Toby and uh, David on the show. And, uh, and I heard them talking in their podcast this past week about the uh, California banning plastic straws. And, uh, and I just, I, I had to take a moment to get your thoughts on this because for a couple of reasons, number one, I will say, Chris, you're not a straw guy. No, I don't, I don't use them at all. Yeah. You don't use a straw. So is that an environmental decision or is that, or is that just, you don't like straws? No, I, I, I don't like straws. It's, it has nothing to do with the environment at all. Um, cause I still throw the straws away. I don't keep the straws. Um, but the straws are fundamentally so wait, a flawed you thing. buy straws to put in your drink so you can take them out and throw them away? No, I mean, like, when you get, like, fast food, yeah, yeah, anybody yeah. who's seen the videos know that I don't <laughs> abstain from fast food. Um, but the straw is a fundamentally flawed thing. It pulls the liquid from the bottom of the glass where all the ice is at the top of the glass. You're getting the warmest liquid at all times. And I like everything freezing cold or super hot. There's no in between. I don't like lukewarm things. I spit that out of my mouth. <laughs> I learned that from scripture. <laughs> So the flaw, the, I just don't like straws because they're, 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 they're one, they're dumb. And then two, there is no manly way to drink no, out of the straw. No, that is true. I like, agree. I just, agree. You're fumbling with it. You're yeah. like, it's, you yeah. can't do it. The you got to purse your lips a little. You know, yeah. Exactly. It's not, it's not only good. a milkshake can be drank through a straw. That's my... Interesting. Because you have no choice. Okay. I don't think California had any of that in mind oh, okay. <laughs> when they were banning the straws. That they, they did it for environmental reasons. And I would just say this is another, this is another like exhibit A or probably exhibit like Z at this point, but of adventures and missing the point, right? Like I feel like what we continually see, um, I don't even want to say people on the left. I just think politicians in general, uh, they are continually looking for something that they can blame, something that they can use to virtue signal, something that they can use to say that they're addressing problems when they're not actually addressing problems, right? So anytime a school shooting happens, right, it's immediately banned guns. And and you know, we don't Arm have to the teachers, ban yeah, guns. We, yeah. We don't have to we don't have to pull up the uh, that debate again, but all all we would say is <clears throat> 
banning guns is not going to stop violence in schools, right? Um, there was that, you know, in, in London, they were banning knives in, in China. They have like a, a, a stabbing epidemic going on. So, so we've talked at nauseum about this. We don't have to drag the whole thing up, but, but band-aid solutions are never the solution. So banning plastic straws, when you look at, and, and it is a problem. I mean, the amount of plastic in the ocean, it is a problem, but the vast majority of that plastic is not coming from straws. And the vast majority of that plastic is not coming from North America. So banning straws in California is not at all going to fix this problem. So all it is is virtue signaling. All it is 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 doing something that's very, very inconvenient in order to make a point so that they look virtuous when they're not virtuous. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah. The, the, thing, the thing with this, we were, we were talking about this a little bit off air that, that ties to this is that we, we do have the tendency just to ban whatever the issue is without actually addressing the issue. Right. Um, and so it is virtual virtue signaling to say straws hurt the environment. So therefore let's ban straws where like the problem, the problem with this is it doesn't fix anything. This, right. this doesn't solve any of the problems. This isn't cleaning up the oceans. This isn't making it easier to recycle. It isn't, it isn't doing it. It's just saying, Here's a problem. Let's take it away. And this, we have a tendency in our culture to do this. We do this with everything. There was a barbecue, barbecue uh, cleaner oh, thing oh, yeah, that yeah, broke, yeah. and the metal, yeah, yeah, filling so those, fell those off. Like, those like wired, uh, metal wired barbecue cleaners, right? Are they're they're actually talking about in Ontario, like no, banning ba- those banning and no longer those selling out. those because. There was some kid who got like, you know, who ate a piece. It got on the burger or what, or hot dog or whatever it was that he was eating. And it like, you know, chewed up his, his stomach lining or something like that. It's like the point, the point I want to make with that is like, we can ban those things or we could just not be stupid with them. You know what I mean? Like, and I realized the kid wasn't being dumb <laughs> right. when it's no, in no, his no, burger. No, yeah, but, but I, I, I mean, hear like, what you're saying. Let's, let's have some, right. some wisdom. It's an accident. It happens. Straws going into the ocean. There's a problem with that. We need to fix that problem. But straws aren't the, the cause of this problem in the first place. It's, it, it's almost like the, um, um, I'll call it, I'll call it the, uh, the fast food coffee cup reformation. <laughs> <laughs> when they, when they, a, do you remember when they started? This is like back when when you and I were basically teenagers. So we won't say how many years ago that was, but but they had to start putting like contents are hot on. Do you remember this? Yes, on yes, like hundred percent. Because the coffee we, cup spill. Because the coffee cups, like, so somebody goes through a drive through and spills hot coffee on themselves, and so and sues McDonald's, and so now McDonald's had to put you know contents of this may be hot or something like that, and then all fast food places had to do that with any hot beverages that were sold. And it's like, really? Like, really, we have to do that, right? There was, the, and, and there are all kinds of these things. There's all, whole websites dedicated to just outrageous um, lawsuits. There's one I, remember, I read one time where a guy bought an RV and he put it on cruise control and went back into the RV, like, like legit, put it on cruise control oh, and Lord. went back into the RV to, to pour himself a cup of coffee and crash. And it's like, yeah, cruise control isn't autopilot. <laughs> we don't have that yet, right? This isn't this isn't the start. This isn't uh, the USS Enterprise. So, um, and and he sued, and so now RV manuals have to say like you can't leave the the. I was going to say cockpit, but whatever the the steering wheel um, when you put it on cruise control. The, our, the manuals now have to say that because of this guy. So I say yeah, all that to say like we we have this this way of imputing. Um, solutions to problems and, and making these band-aid fixes when at the end of the day, 
you know, the problem is with humans and the problem is with stupidity. And the problem is with evil and all these kinds of things. And, and the government has no solution to the, what really plagues mankind. And so they have to come up with like easy solutions. Exactly. We, we look, we blame the thing instead of the person, right? right. We, we look outside. We are, we're always quick to find an excuse for why we've done something right. rather than just be like, we're corrupt and evil people. Right. Really now, nice. now you have, you have another piece of, of rebel news that will <laughs> unite. This is, for all of our American listeners, this is we are about to be unified in a way that we have not before. Yep. The great American franchise, Chick-fil-A, is coming to Canada. It's coming to Toronto. We're excited about this. We're very happy about this. Toronto's only podcast. about an hour and a half away from where we record, right yep. here. We can we can get there for lunch if we needed to. Yep. We could have Rebel Alliance meetings at Chick-fil-A. And we, we probably will. We could. <laughs> it, it could happen. Unless the Canadian liberals get their way, which yeah. so is so here's here's why this is newsworthy. Not just because um, Chick Fil A is coming to Canada, although that might be newsworthy as well. But Rebel newsworthy, um, the liberals are out in full force. Yeah. Tell us about it, Chris. <laughs> They're basically protesting Chick Fil A coming to Canada because they don't like the roots of the co- of the of the co- the company. Um, long story short, Chick Fil A has Christian roots. They're pro marriage, so. Because Canada is an equal rights society, our Canadian liberals are trying to get us to boycott one Chick-fil-A coming into the country, but two people going to the restaurant because they are anti-gay. Um, because there there can be no, we're just pro-marriage. You, right. If you're pro-marriage, you have to be anti-everything else to them. Right. So the... Basically, the Canadian LGBT community is trying to boycott, and I'm sure not all of them, but are trying to boycott Chick-fil-A coming to Toronto um, because... You know, Chick Fil A stands for something. This can this country Canada doesn't doesn't you know cannot good tolerate <laughs> cannot tolerate like, cannot tolerate. Yeah, in all honesty, I mean this is this is uh, the the Canadian Liberals' blasphemy laws, right? This is what we we've talked about this a long time ago, and uh, and there are certain lines that you shall not cross. They're okay with Christianity as long as it's not Christianity that actually believes the Bible stands up for life. And stand or stands up for biblical marriage. It's interesting. So Chick Fil A is interesting for a couple of, of reasons. Number one, um, I we were, we were just kind of looking into some of this information, and Chick Fil A is still on track to be one of the most successful fast food chains in America, despite all of the negative publicity they often get from liberal media, right? So. They've had multiple lawsuits against them. They've had multiple kind of slanderous articles written about, you know, how they're anti-gay and all this kind of stuff. And yet it hasn't hurt them as a business. They're, I, I, I think, I might be wrong on this number, but I, I think one of the things that we saw was um, like third most successful or most profitable um, fast food restaurant in, in America. Like that's, that's pretty good. That's amazing. And so it's interesting that um, I think, number one, this shows that on the uh, on the liberal side, non-Christian side, they understand the myth of neutrality, right? So they 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 understand. They might not cognitively recognize that this is what they're doing, but they recognize anybody who is not for us is against us, and and that's still something that the Christian community we're trying to get the Christian community to wake up to the myth of neutrality. So they the reason they're boycotting is because a pro traditional marriage stance is to them an affront and attack against their way of life. So there is no neutrality. They recognize that if if this if this company is not for us, they must be against us. Yeah, the, two, the there's two quotes in the article that I think are kind of kind of sum up the whole problem that I see with this. Um, so 
one Toronto citizen, Chris Lotz, wrote this. He wrote, just a friendly reminder, the Canadian reminder that we are all a progressive country and have morals and fight for equal rights for all. We don't want your bigoty, bigoted sorry, and discriminatory business opening anywhere north of the border. So in the same <laughs> breath, he's like, yeah. we want equal rights for all. But we don't want you because you disagree with us. Yeah. Awesome. Great yeah. job, Chris Lotz. Yeah. The other one was uh, Wayne Lung wrote, you're not welcome here. I know your homophobic history and are bankrolling of political candidates who promote an anti-LGBT discrimination. The, that bigotry has no place in Canada. I will be boycotting you and encouraging others to do the same. At least him, he's going to like put his money where his mouth where right. his mouth yeah. is, and he's going to boycott. But he's and he's not uh, pointing out. But he's he's pointing out that this company bankrolls political parties. Well, what do you think the the LGBT yeah, community does? Exactly. They yeah. po- they fund candidates who support their agenda. Why is it wrong for the conservative companies to do the exact same thing? Why is this Why is this a problem? This is how we all operate. Right. So because everybody that. operates out of their own worldview. Exactly. Why, so why are we why are we upset and calling one person a bigot when the other person does the exact same thing? Yeah. And this is this. I mean, this goes to what we've always called the intolerance of tolerance, right? In that uh, we will we we tolerate you. You said it yourself. We that we believe in equal rights for all, unless you disagree with us. Unless you right? disagree with me. Equal rights meaning the rights that um, you know the rights I allow to the people I allow them to. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's hypocrisy. Um, absolutely. And I think, so I will put kind of one practical piece instead of just kind of making fun of the people who uh, are on the other side, let me just give a practical piece of advice to the Christians who are listening to this. We have to recognize where we stand ethically on things like, um, the, the individual rights of businesses. Okay. So if, if we are standing up for Chick-fil-A being able to hold their convictions, we must also stand up for, um, you know, pro-LGBT um, establishments for standing Absolutely. up for their convictions, right? Private, private property, private ownership, private businesses are allowed to run their business as they see fit. And so we can't ask for government intervention in one area if we're not going to allow it in another area. And so Christians, we ought to be consistent in this. And I'll just tell a brief story. I was at a, uh, a coffee shop here in London. Um, it's, it was called, it's called the Little Red Roaster. And it's in uh, Wortley Village, which is a, a pretty... Uh, densely populated LGBT community. I think it's it's it it made the list in terms of like North American best places to live if you're an LGBT person. In uh, in our area, it's it is the spot for yeah. that that. And so I was having uh, coffee with a couple of pastor friends of mine there early one morning. I think we were reading a, a Piper book together, and then we would get together and chat about it. And that's where we went for a while. And we were having the conversation about, uh, I can't even remember why we were having this conversation, but we were having the conversation about whether or not we would attend a friend's wedding um, if uh, a, a gay friend of ours was getting married. I don't know how this conversation came up, but we were having this conversation. And we had the manager of the place come up to us and tell us that if we didn't stop having that conversation. Um, we didn't stop talking about that because they thought what we were talking about was insensitive. And I think they even used the term hateful um, that we'd be asked to leave. So it's interesting because I think, you know, everything inside of me said, you know, fight against this. And 
and as we conversed, we said, yep, absolutely. And so we stopped talking about it. And, and part of me was like, are we being cowardly? Are we, are we shrinking away here? What we ended up doing was we did end up stopping our, that conversation. And we started just going somewhere else where we were more free to talk, um, you know, given our convictions. We did send the, uh, the owner of that particular restaurant an email saying that, you know, this is what, we, this is what happened. And we we uh, agree that it's your right as a private business owner to run your business as you see fit. Uh, this is why we won't be attending your, your uh, establishment anymore. And we just went somewhere else. Hmm. That's the beauty of free market capitalism, right? Like you can go where you want to go. And so, so it, it's interesting because what you have is a bunch of people on the left who would say, um, you know, you must run your private business in this particular way. And so as conservatives, we believe that there ought to be restrictions and there ought to be on, on the reach that the government has to regulate private businesses. And so we have, but we have to stay consistent in that. So that's just kind of a practical piece of advice is to stay consistent in how we see these things. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. We have a bunch more Rebel News. Uh, like I said, it's going to eat up this whole episode, but the, the ones that we have left are kind of... Uh, they get heavier. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a bit weightier. And so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and, uh, and stop smiling so much. <laughs> All right. Hey, it's Dave, the Rebel Alliance Media Tech Guy here to tell you more about the new, improved, expanded Rebel Alliance Media. It's new, it's improved, and yes, it's expanded. Check it out at rebelalliancemedia.com. There's the original Rebel podcast, as always, but now there's the Awakening Reformation podcast with Grant and Erica Van Brimmer, plus their new Faith of the Fathers podcast with their children. Great listening for families. Catch the Rebels each Friday for their weekly video on culture and get a refreshing review of eschatology with Pastor Nate's Eschatology 101 video series. Another new addition is the blogs and articles page with some excellent reads by the Van Brimmers along with Ben and Andrew Emery. You can now help Rebel Alliance Media financially through the donate button at the top of the homepage. It's a brand new website, so make it your home base for interacting with the Rebels. Don't forget to share it with your friends. That's rebelalliancemedia.com. Welcome back. We are no longer smiling. We are now back. But I have one more thing. I thought this tied really well to free market capitalism that, that we were talking about. Netflix, which is like, you know, everybody has Netflix now. It's a monster company. came out of nowhere. Yep. It's interesting. They get, they get a lot of credit for being edgy in a lot of the yeah, things yeah. they do. And it's funny that they understand this whole idea of free market capitalism probably be- better modeled than most other companies because... Even though they're pro a lot of the things they put out edgy content, they're actually developing a whole library of faith and family-based programming because they recognize that there's a demographic that doesn't want to see the other side, that they want to see shows like um, that Tim Allen one, Last Man Standing, and right. and Christian-based family family drama, Christ, Christian-based showing and programming. And so Netflix has identified that and have made basically a library full of, of that kind of content. I, th- I just thought it was very interesting because they get it. Right? It is interesting. Um, so there's a, there's a Christian company out there called Clearview, right? And it's kind of, they're trying to be the Netflix for the, for the Christian community. <clears throat> and you and I often criticize, um, uh, let's just say Christian companies trying to do what the secular world is doing, but doing it 
not worse. nearly as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know what, I get, I get some of the pushback we've had on that. Like if, if Christians can't make bad films, how are they ever going to learn to make good films? And, and the truth is there is a, there is a, it's getting better. But um, what Netflix has realized is that, you know, cl- things like Clearview is taking some of their profit away. And so, and, and they recognize that like for us, um, so they have like user, different users, right? So you can click. So we have like a kid's one for, for, you know, on our Netflix and you can click on that and you can, you know, see all the kids shows and all that kind of stuff. But what they recognize is all that takes is a kid to learn how to back and, and click on a different profile for them to, you know, see all kinds of stuff. And there's a lot of, especially a lot of the Netflix original stuff is really, I mean, I don't want my kid, I don't want to watch that, let alone let my kids have access to that. So what they recognize is there's a whole community of people that we can cater to. We can make more money off of and, and good for them. Like they, they recognize that. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see. And, and I, I honestly, I hope, and I pray that, that Christian companies like Clearview can, can stay ahead of the curve and, and start doing this a little bit better. But in the meantime, Netflix is doing it and I think good for them. Yeah. I, I, More I options. completely agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have, uh, I have kind of a, a piece of rebel news that is, I would, I mean, it's disturbing for sure. So, um, but, uh, I'm getting this off of a, a blog post by a guy named, uh, Jonathan Van Maren and, uh, he blogs at, uh, the bridgehead.ca. And, uh, and so th- this is, so it, the preamble to the blog post, I'm just going to read it. It says, uh, over the past several years, politicians like Justin Trudeau and Kathleen Wynne, that's our prime minister and was our premier until Doug Ford just won, um, the Ontario premier election. Uh, politicians like Justin Trudeau and Kathleen Wynne passed laws demanding that biological men identifying as women be accepted as women by Canadian society at large, no matter what the cost. Many Christians and many in the religious community warned that the implementation of the transgender ideology would have unforeseen consequences, but these warnings were ignored. Now the chickens are coming home to roost. So then he quotes from the National Post. And there's this article, um, and and this kind of sums it up. So let me just read. This is this is a clip from the National Post. A woman has filed a human rights complaint against a Toronto shelter for female recovering addicts, claiming staff forced her to share a small double room with a pre-operative male to female transgender person. The formal complaint against. The Gene Tweed Center, which runs the Palmerson House, which is this this house for females recovering uh, from addiction, followed Christy Hanna. So Christy Hanna is this girl who's filed the lawsuit, followed Christy Hanna's effort to inquire about her new legal rights in this unusual situation, only to be told by Ontario's Human Rights Legal Support Center that by describing her new roommate as a man, Hannah was the one engaged in illegal discrimination. So that's the, cl- that's the, the clip from the National Post. So now the author of, of the blog I'm reading, uh, Jonathan Van Maren, he goes on to say, just to be clear here, the preoperative male to female transgender person, end quote, is a male with a penis. And in this case, it was a male with facial hair, chest hair, and combat boots. Because Hannah is not insane and correctly identified this person as a male, she was accused of, quote, illegal discrimination. Because the Trudeau government and the Wynn government have decreed that Canadians, by law, must play along with these games of the dangerous, be, uh, of dangerous make believe. Then he quote. Then this is going back to quoting from the the uh, National Post. 
Hannah, 37, a former paramedic who has lately worked in the service industry and has been struggling with lingering effects of sexual abuse and resulting problems with addiction to alcohol and cocaine, she described herself as a, a, quote, active ally in the LGBTQ community, but said this conflict has left her feeling as if vulnerable women are unable to voice their own gender-based rights for fear of violating someone else's. It's affecting everyone in the house, she says. This can completely ruin your recovery, let alone your safety, let alone your life. Uh, Hannah continues in an interview that uh, saying that she spent two nights sharing the room, constantly looking over to make sure her roommate was still in bed. She said, before taking an indefinite leave from the shelter, Hannah lived for several seven months uh, at that facility prior to the time, located in an old Victorian house. Um, and yeah, the article goes on, but you get the gist of it. So this woman, uh, who is trying to go to a shelter for recovering female addicts is forced to share a room with a man and, you know, they qualify it by saying preoperative transgender. So whether he's actually trying to, to get surgery or not is not the point. The point is that one woman's rights are being violated and, and this is this, this kind of hierarchical system here, right? So women's rights trump men's rights in our culture, but trans rights trump women's rights. And so here this woman's rights are being taken away because they are threatening the rights of an LGBT uh, person, a man who wants to be called a woman, who wants to go into rooms in a shelter with women. Uh, the article does go on to say that, um, I mean, she overheard him talking about his pregnant ex-girlfriend um yeah, and he, the 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 man in the yep. situation has a has a former wife that he talked to her about and a pregnant fiance so he's an active man right <laughs> so. yeah and that and so that's the point so sometime in the last nine months he's had a, a female sexual partner impregnated her which only men with penises can do and she's forced to share a close quarter room with him. There's a reason this is a woman's shelter because a lot of these women, specifically because of their addiction issues, have faced some sort of trauma at the hands of men. And so they, they come to these places to feel safe. And this woman not only is being forced to share this room if she wants to stay there, but when she just phones the Human Rights Tribunal to inquire about it, she's told she's the one discriminating and violating his rights. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's absolutely, it's absolutely crazy. And it's not even, it's not even like she doesn't have a, like she didn't actually have a problem with him being in the house period. She, her problem was directly sharing the room with him. Right. She's a former, if again, I don't want to overspeak, but the article alludes to the fact that she suffered sexual abuse in her, in her past. That's right. At the hands of a man. Right. Being like being in a room with a man triggered a lot of emotional problem uh, issues for her. This is this is her rights being not only just a little bit violated, completely violated. Right. We would never think to subject a, an abuse victim to something that causes them to stumble in that in that abuse. Right. It's it's asinine, but we do this only because we've made a situation where we have to play along with a like a, as the article says a make believe yeah. thing that a man can become a woman, or if I just say I'm a woman, I'm now a woman. Like it makes no sense at all. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it starts, it, you start to ask the question, like, how far are these things going to go, right? So this is one story happening in one shelter in one city in, you know, Ontario, Canada. Um, but you think about the, 
And we could we could scour the headlines and look for all kinds of different things. There are, there are lawsuits against schools in the states and in Canada about transgendered teenagers wanting to use the opposite change room. And there's there's I mean these stories are literally littering the newspapers and um, the newspapers. I show how old I am. Scour you know littering the internet. And the the reality is is that your children, your um, loved ones in schools, in, you know, workplace situations, in shelters, in recovery um, facilities, in hospitals, this is going to affect people of all different walks of life. And so what's interesting here is that this is a woman who considers herself an ally of the LGBTQ community. This is not an outspoken Christian who doesn't like transgendered people, who disagrees with their ideology. This is just a woman who agrees with transgender ideology but doesn't want her personal rights violated by being forced to share a room with a man and yet she's being told that she's you know walking the line so to speak in terms of of hate crimes it's 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 tough it's exactly and it it just it just blows my mind and it goes it shows that we can't even like even our policymakers can't navigate this well well this slippery slope that we started down well enough in ohio this is another piece of rebel news for you in ohio uh, a teenager, 15 years old, tried to change his name from Heidi to El- to Elliot because he identifies as a man. Um, and, and an Ohio judge says he wasn't mature enough to make that decision. The policymaker looked at the evidence and said, no, you're not mature enough to make this decision. I'm going to deny you the right to change your name. The parents are now suing the judge. And are so going- sorry, this is it, this is a girl. This is a girl named Heidi who's trying to become a man. Okay. Um, trying to change her name to Elliot. Um, the judge said, you're not mature enough, young lady, to make this decision. Right. And so the parents are of, suing of the Heidi judge. are now suing the judge. Unbelievable. So, so we don't even trust the people who, are, who we've tr- entrusted right. to make these decisions, to make the decisions. Right. Because we're basically saying a 15 year old person who's not old enough to drive, not old enough to drink. We don't trust them with guns. We don't trust them with most, anything. most dangerous things in our society. I, I probably, I 15 is borderline. Would I let them babysit? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. It's like, it's right at that age yeah. where you're like, mm, maybe not depending on the 15 year old. Yeah. Not but, an immature 15 year old. Anyway, exactly. This one, a judge says you're not mature enough to make, make this. this decision, but the parents' response is, I can make money out of this. I'm suing you. Right. Blows my mind. Well, it, so I, and that, that just reminds me of, um, so I, I'd shared on my Facebook and I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I shared on my Facebook, um, this Ted talk where somebody talked about, uh, pedophilia as another sexual minority, you know? And, uh, and so th- that brings up a, a great point. Like, so a judge views this 15 year old as not mature enough to make that decision. Now, the parents are suing. It'll be interesting to see how that case goes. But in Canada, they have there, there's another piece of rebel news that you wanted to talk about where in kindergarten classes here in Ontario, they're bringing transgendered um, drag, drag queens. Drag queens to read the uh, stories. To read stories to teach about transgenderism and, and uh, cross-dressing and uh, whatever the politically correct term is of saying that. And, and so we're teaching our kindergarten, grade one, grade two students in, in Ontario that they are mature enough to identify and, and choose their own sexual orientation. So I just want to show the, the mixed, like just ridiculous mixed messages that we're sending to kids. So we're telling them, 
you are mature enough to choose your sexual orientation because gender is fluid. But but if, if somebody's gay and they want to say they were born that way, it's not fluid. That's how they were born. So we can't question a decision, right? For years, Christians were, were chastised for calling homosexuality a decision or a choice. But now they're saying, well, some people are born that way and you have to accept that. But then also gender and sexual orientation is also fluid. And so you ha- also have to accept that. So conflicting messages, but we have to accept it. And young kids are being taught that you can choose your own sexual orientation, but... So you can you can decide who you're sexually attracted to, right? This is the whole gender unicorn that came out. It's um, this is the sex I was born as. This is the sex I identify it with. These are this is the sex that I'm attracted to. This is the sex that I'm sexually um, attracted to, and and this whole gender unicorn. But what we're but but you can't actually give your consent to somebody who's too old. So so. We're still drawing a line at pedophilia, although in Ontario they're trying to lower the age of consent. But so we're saying to, to a you know a ten year old, you can choose to make life altering decisions about your orientation and take you know hormone therapy and and get surgeries as early as twelve in Canada, is, is, and uh, and yet you cannot choose to be in a sexual relationship because you know that that's inappropriate. So we're, we're trusting their ability to make decisions as autonomous humans about their own sexuality, but not actually have sex. And so I, I just think we've paved the way for pedophilia to be the next thing that's, that's kind of shoved down our throats. And it'd be interesting to see how that fractures the LGBT community. Yeah, it's ex- exactly. The, whenever we're dealing with these issues, we have to look ahead, yeah. right? Because we've seen now when pornography... 20 years ago was looked on and was frowned upon and everybody was like, this is, this is a horror horrendous thing that is terrible. Right now it's commonplace. Like you can't, you can basically stumble upon it on the internet without even trying. Right. It's commonplace because our culture has become desensitized to it. So we no longer care about it. LGBT community. We, we recently watched an old movie together and it was, it was very almost jarring how much they, they talked about, pro just regular relationships like sec- like sexual relationships in in a way that was like oh that's that's totally different than how our culture would talk about them today absolutely 20 years from now that's going to be like you said that's going to be pedophilia where we're going to look at that and it's going to be so we're going to become so des- desensitized to it hopefully not but right. the the trajectory, trajectory we're yeah. on will be that's that's the next thing the next thing will then after that will be poly polygamous relationships you can be married to how can you say i can only be married to one person i can be married to a hundred um bestiality i mean all of these kinds of things and it sounds outrageous right now but that's because we are currently still not desensitized to that right but 20 years from now our kids who have been growing up with this whole idea of well i can choose whatever i want nobody can ever question anything i do sexually right well, 20 years from now, when that, that kid who's seven years old now is now 27 years old, and he's, because the society doesn't tell him anything, he's attracted to a six-year-old, right. how can you say, when you've taught him his whole life, that he can't, you can't question his sexual preferences at all, how can you challenge him when he yeah. says, I'm, I'm attracted to a child? Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that to, to shock you. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because that's the trajectory. That's the road we exactly. exactly. And that's all these, all these things and all these articles that we read about this where... Judges can't make these decisions and parents are suing 
We're all paving the way. We're just taking down one more brick, one more brick of the wall that stops this from being running rampant in our right. society. Now, I just want to pause for a moment before we jump into another uh, piece of news, because originally we came in here today thinking we were going to do a Q&A episode, and then we, we saw all this rebel news. And one of the questions that we got that we were going to address, I think, actually fits in here quite well. So this is us, you know, on the fly. <laughs> um, but the question was essentially about how sensitive or insensitive we as in you and I come across when we're doing this podcast. We did get that question. And, <laughs> and so, and part of it was, um, a listener took exception to the way that we talked about, um, homosexuality and transgenderism, comparing it to bestiality and pedophilia and all that kind of stuff when we were talking about the revoice conference. And, and so the, the, the question, I mean, I'm just going to paraphrase it and, and put it in a way that gets right to the heart of it. It was asked nicer than this. Um, but basically, why do we sound so compassionate to people struggling with some sins and then sound like jerks when we're talking about people, um, you know, in the LGBT community? So I, I, and I just want to take two stories of Jesus and kind of contrast them. So well, if you take the story of Jesus with the woman at the well, um, now, we talked about this, how he, you know, there, there, he does call her out on her sin, but he is gentle in his conversation with her. He is, he is kind to her in, in how he's speaking. Um, he, he, he implements a, a level of kindness that he doesn't in the second, um, in the second story that I'm going to say. So he, he, and he, he kind of mis like meanders through this conversation gently, does call her out on her sin, but is very, um, soft-spoken, gentle, kind in, in that uh, exchange. Fast forward to a conversation in, I think it's John 5, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, right, who's, who's the, the synagogue teacher in Jerusalem. And um, when he's talking to him about being born again, Jesus says, like, you're the teacher in Jerusalem and you don't know these things, right? Like, he's, he's curt with Nicodemus. He's, he's a little bit more short with Nicodemus. He's not quite as gentle. He's a little bit... Um, uh, what, what word am I looking for? Antagonistic with yeah. With he kind of pushes. He kind of pushes, pushes, pushes. That's right. And 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 if you look, you'd think like these are two different styles of of conversation that Jesus is having. And I think Jesus understood that when you are dealing with pride, then you deal with it in one way. And when you're dealing with humility, you deal with it in a different way. Most of the encounters Jesus has with any Pharisees in the New Testament, he's dealing with a people who are very proud, who think they have all the answers, and he is, um, in meeting their pride, he, hum he humbles them. But then when he comes up to people who are humble already, I'm thinking about the woman who um, breaks open the perfume jar and, and anoints his yeah. head, you know, the woman at the well, some of these individuals, uh, Jesus is, is much more compassionate, much more uh, gentle because they're already humbled and therefore he can lead them to truth gently. But um, there's a verse, uh, it's actually a verse that's repeated several times in the New Testament, um, but it's uh, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I think that's what you're seeing in those encounters with Jesus. He's opposing Nicodemus. It's, it's antagonistic because he is confronting and opposing the pride in Nicodemus, whereas the woman at the well, he is 
grant giving grace to the humble. And so one of the reasons that we might maybe sound different depending on who our audience is and what the, the uh, topic is, is because right now we're living in a Romans one world, right? Um, I'll just part Romans one. Um, it, it talks about how, you know, people reject God and uh, they, they suppress the truth they know about God. And in verse 26, talking about those same people who are suppressing God's truth about himself. It says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So there's just a a passage about um, how homosexuality is the result of God giving them up to their dishonorable passions as they continually reject him. But listen to this. Verse 28, it says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, they gave, God gave them up to a debased minds to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, and malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to yada yada over some scripture. I, I think that's irreverent, but verse 32 then says, though they knew, know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. That's the culture that we're living in right now, where it's not just enough to not call homosexuality a sin. We must give approval to it. We must celebrate it. And in their pride and arrogance, they, they look at Christians who hold to a historical view of, of biblical sexuality as archaic, outdated. They talk about, um, you know, all kinds of different things. And so when we sound different, depending on our audience, part of it is, are we opposing pride or giving grace to humble? To the humble, and so I, I just wanted to make that distinction because that's how I would have answered that question. I think you know we, we were probably sounding like jerks again to to particular listeners who struggle, you know, in in how we might sound differently. The other thing is this podcast is for Christians and to help them engage culture with a biblical worldview. Um, when I'm sitting across the table with somebody who's struggling with same-sex attraction and I'm trying to tell them what the Bible says, um, again, like Jesus sitting with the woman at the well, um, if this is a Christian who's coming to me. For help as they struggle with the temptation of same-sex attraction, my conversation with them looks a lot different than the person who comes to me and says, I'm gay, I'm proud, this is the way I am, you can't tell me to change, God can't tell, you know, that's different, that's a different conversation. And so I I say all that just to say, um, as we're going through these news items, just remember who the audience is as we engage with these things matters. Yeah, exactly. I would say... The other half of that question that we kind of got was about, we seem to pick on, for lack of a better term, the LGBT community rather than say other sins like adultery, which was the one that was kind of used. And I just, I would just point out like nobody really celebrates adultery in our culture. Like it's, it's kind of universally looked down upon. You cheated, you cheated on your spouse. You're a bad other boy. Than Ashley Madison was really trying. But, but. <laughs> Is that the like adult? That like, was that was the like you know have an affair. It's like a it's like a what's the it's like Tinder but for people who are in relationships. It's totally depraved. Other but, than them, nobody yeah. really celebrates adultery in our culture. But I, so, but like LGBT community homosexuality is a celebrated sin, right? And so we are constantly in battle against them them celebrating that sin because yeah. we're trying to proclaim the truth, and in our culture that's lifting this lie up we have to therefore lift the truth against that up up in, right. up in it and this is something we deal with like on a on a day-to-day basis and this isn't like you said Nate this isn't 
how we would speak to somebody who comes to us and says, help me I'm, with I'm struggling with this. Yeah. We're, we're talking directly when we're talking to you guys, helping you engage culture uh, to the people who are pushing this agenda on everyone else. Right. We're, um, we're trying to train your minds to think biblically about these situations. Exactly. And so we're not thinking about tone quite as much as we would if we were actually on the streets talking to these people, which, which we've done. Like, you know, uh, our friend, Corey McKenna, uh, friend of the show, uh, Taylor, does Lakatos the cross, yeah, Taylor Lakatos, Jeremy Bundy, some of these listeners of the show, they're actively involved. They're going down to pride, the pride parade and they are, uh, bringing the truth and bringing the, the, the truth of the gospel to bear in those really dark, really, and they've taken all kinds of hate for it. But the, um, the tone there is different sometimes than the tone. But again, oppose the proud, give grace to the humble. Exactly. Um, so I, on that, uh, just kind of uh, uh, taking a, a different turn here, there's a, a piece of news that I thought was really interesting. So Maybe. Um, Melinda Rubin um, is a woman uh, who uh, lives in the States and uh, she has had a difficult life in terms of she's had various medical problems throughout her entire life and, and was continuing to struggle. She had fibromyalgia and, and a few things. Um, and so she got pregnant. And uh, when she got pregnant, because of all of her health issues, she was urged by her doctor to have an abortion because it might threaten her life. She decided at the time that she was going to stay pregnant, that she wasn't going to abort the child, and that if it ever came down to it, she instructed her husband and she instructed her own doctor that she would rather the baby's life be saved than hers if it ever came down to some sort of medical emergency. Well, tragically and um, providentially, um, she uh, was 23 weeks pregnant and, uh, and she did suffer a stroke, which is one of the things that the doctor actually warned her about. Um, so when they discovered that the baby was still alive after she had passed away from the stroke, so she was taken away in ambulance, got to the hospital, pa- passed away um, as the hospital was arri- or as the ambulance was arriving at the hospital, and then four different get this four different so they discovered that the baby was still alive. Four different hospitals refused to allow Ruben's family to take her to their facilities in order to attempt to save the baby because they. I don't know. I, I don't know why. This article doesn't say why, but thankfully um, there was a St. Alphonsus Regional Medical Center in Idaho agreed to take her and the doctors were successful in saving the baby. Christopher's life, so the baby's name is Christopher. Christopher was born one pound, one ounce and is still alive. Uh, he was born on July 13th um, and, uh, and is still alive right now, but uh, Melinda Rubin passed away. So I bring that up for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't know all the story, so I'm not going to speculate on why the hospitals turned her away. It might have been uh, low chances of saving such a premature baby. Um, it could be simply because the the medical professionals who are intaking these medical emergencies are trained to think of an in utero child who is 23 weeks old as a blob of cells, right? Yeah. And so, so maybe they didn't think it was feasible or maybe they didn't think it was worth it or maybe, you know, they're... they're uh, a, pro-abortion mindset that they've been trained to think about since, you know, in this culture, um, had them turn her away. But four hospitals turned her away before she found uh, the family away, before they uh, uh, were given any help. So that's the one thing I wanted to say. The second thing that I I just think is so interesting is that um, this story kind of displays the gospel in a really 
awesome way, right? So here's a mother who's willing to lay her life down for her child. And, and that's one of the reasons that abortion is so heinous because it's anti-gospel, right? The gospel says, I lay my life down for you, but abortion says you lay your life down for me and for my convenience and for my lifestyle and for, you know, um, and so it's, it's, it's an anti-gospel position, uh, to say, you know, this, this child must die because I choose it. And, and here, Melinda Rubin, who dies laying her life down to save her child's life is just a beautiful display of, of what somebody who, it doesn't say that she's a Christian, but I imagine she is, um, it, what a, somebody who grasps the gospel thinks about life and death so differently right? Values children, values life, values um, the the sacrifice of laying your life down for a loved one. Um, the world doesn't get that. The, the culture of death just doesn't get that because they're anti-gospel. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great story. It's actually hard to respond after that because it's, there's nothing really you can add to that story. It's, right. it's, it's a great tale of, of a lady who, who does get it, who does understand that it's better to lay your life down for, down for a friend. Like to save the child is is the best thing she could have done to love that child. I I find I again I can't speculate for the hospitals at all, but isn't it isn't it just an unbelievable also indictment to abortion that this twenty three week old child, which by all I, if I'm correct, almost everywhere in Canada in particular, but in most states could still be aborted. Yep, absolutely, still lived. Even though one pound, one ounce, one pound, one ounce. Again, I don't want to speculate for why the hospitals turned them away. Maybe they just weren't equipped to deal Maybe. to deal with it. I don't know what the situations are, but this this child is a miracle. Yeah, like all children are. But it's a, and it's a miracle, and it's a great story. And hopefully, that story gets publicized. Yeah, I hope so. As we're going through Rebel, Rebel News with this, the, really what this episode is, is trying to help you guys see the headlines of this world, see the things that are happening, and really just helping you spot the lie. We do this game in the videos where we watch a movie or we watch something, a TV show, and say, what's the lie this culture, this, this movie is trying to teach our kids, trying to teach you, trying to teach everyone? That's all we do with Rebel News. We basically go through headlines, read newspaper articles, and say... What's the lie the culture is trying to push at us and helping you guys engage that with a Christian worldview of what the lie that's being publicized out there? Because if you, the truth is we know we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We also build up the mind as a, as a, as a muscle to understand so we can see truth and we can see through the lies of our culture, of our society and everything, everything like that. This is a good way for us to help you guys do that. And it's a bit of fun for the summer. Yeah. The other thing I would just say is that we, um, I know, I know in our home, sometimes, uh, we need to remind ourselves when, when I'm pulling out rebel news and stuff, sometimes my wife, um, you know, begins to lament how horrible the world is and how, how bad things are. And I would just remind us that, um, in, in John 17, Jesus prayed, um, that I do not pray that you would take them out of the world, but you, that you would deliver them from the evil one. And so our uh, response to these kinds of, of this kind of darkness in the world around us ought not to be Maranatha, Lord, just take us now, you know, pray for rapture. Uh, we are post-millennial, which means that we believe what the Bible says, that Christ will be victorious this side of history. And so um, when, when we've taken an episode to talk about some of the, well, 
some, some really tough, really difficult, dark things in our society, I think it's worthwhile to just end with a few promises. Malachi 1 verse 11 says, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations. Daniel 7.14 says, And to him was given a dominion, and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Zechariah 9.10 says, He shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Psalm 22 says, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules the nations. Psalm 72 says, May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 52 says, The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Philippians 2.10 and 11 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Isaiah 2 says, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted above all hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Let us come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord for the house of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So the Bible does not paint a pessimistic view. If anything, we should hear these headlines and it should grieve us and motivate us to, by God's grace, begin to put all of these dark things under Christ's feet in victory. So stay optimistic, um, walk by faith, not by sight, and remember to spot the lie in the culture around us and engage that culture like Christ is going to be victorious because the word of God says he will be. 